thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is Up for a Chat with Cindy O'Mara, Karen Smith, and Kim Morrison. Here we are, up for a chat about the hottest topics that are important to you, inspiring you to awaken the change within. I'm Kim Morrison. Oh, and I'm Cindy O'Meara. And our beautiful Karen will be jumping in at some point. She too is having a few technical difficulties this week, but we just wanted to jump in and speak to our very special guest, Adam Epscamp, chiropractor, fitness professional. We like to think of him as a life enthusiast, and also he's a gorgeous husband, but he's a phenomenal soul, and I feel incredibly honored and privileged to have met Adam a number of times. I love the way he takes fitness classes. I'm not sure I breathe when he's leading them, but always feel good by the end of them. But you know what? He's one of those people that speaks from the heart. He has an essence, a spirit, and a soul that I know our listeners are going to love to hear. He specializes in exercise and particularly around the epigenetics. And there's a couple of things that we'd love to dive deep into today with gorgeous Adam. On behalf of the three of us, beautiful, welcome to our fridge chat. Thank you very much for having me. Oh, it's such a treat to have you. Adam, could you just give us a brief background as to how you came to being here? What led you down the path? Who are you? And how can our listeners find out about what you're about? So... It's a little convoluted journey to, to where we are today, but um, I was really good at maths at school and, um, and so pursued mechanical engineering straight out of school. Um, it was about the time that I found um, that you could order food and alcohol from your car and um, I took advantage of that and, and turned into a pretty big boy, um, about 19, 20 years old. Um, to the point where it affected what I loved doing, which was surfing. And um, I remember there was a particular day where it was those days you dream of as a, as a kid. The surf is great. There's not many people out. And um, by the time I, I got out the back, I was blue in the face and couldn't even catch a wave at my favourite surf spot. And so that, that was my uh, turning point where... Uh, I contemplated life for the next 15 minutes out in the surf and decided to take charge, which I reflect on now um, as a pretty special event uh, because I decided to take charge instead of deciding to give up on surfing. Um, From that point, I drove from Smith Beach in Western Australia all the way to uh, Craggy Leisure Centre, which was about three hours drive north at that time. and I walked straight into the gym there. I still had sand on my feet. And um, I asked for help, which is the really important part of my journey, is to, to ask those around us to get to the next level or to help with, with issues that we may have at the time. And um, it wasn't a miraculous turnaround. Like was, but within six months, I was feeling great. And I, and I felt that my, my calling was to be part of that journey for other people as well. Um, so I looked at being a, um, a personal trainer right from the that, that early stage, would have been 19 or 20, and um, I spoke to my chiropractor about my decisions at the time and um, he, he said, Adam, why don't you become a chiropractor? You love what I do and um, you're quite passionate about helping people find a new level of fitness and, and health. And, um, and I thought, like, well, I'm not smart enough to be a chiropractor. 
surely not. And he said, well, you're an engineer. You can be smart enough to be a chiropractor. And um, so it was about six months later, I was sitting in my first chiropractic lecture at Murdoch University. And, um, yeah, that was, that was 15 years ago. So that's how I came to be um, a chiropractor. Um, at the same time, I realized that um, I still had a passion for fitness and, and a good mate of mine I was living with at the time who was also a chiropractor now, um, Ian Hennessy, he, he was getting paid to teach fitness classes. And so I, that, that seemed amazing to me to get paid to exercise. So that's how I got myself to university. I became a fitness instructor um, teaching the Les Mills RPM class, which Kim, you've had the um, fabulous experience of, of joining my, my um, early morning RPM. And um, from there, it was a, a united sort of front of fitness and health as I became a chiropractor and um, had, had a journey into Canada, have since been back, of course, worked in um, Hillary's in Western Australia for for about eight years there before we decided to move to the Sunshine Coast and and live with the community of like-minded health people. So there you go. There's the convoluted story of Adam Epstein. It's pretty extraordinary when you think about it, and I think the essence from from that for me, and I'm sure Cindy as well, is, is not giving up, you know, constantly simply putting one foot in front of the other, trying new things. I think the big thing I've taken from you too is you're quite, you seem to be quite open about um, perhaps the mystery that could unfold rather than being afraid of it. Would that be a fair comment? Yeah, I've always, I noticed that, especially as a school kid, um, what you see is what you get with me. It's pretty straight up and down. Um, uh, but I noticed that when my mates were starting to hang out with girls, and um, <laughs> their behaviour would change. I was like, that's, that's not my mate. What's, what's he doing that for? Why has his behaviour changed? And, um, yeah, that's when it started to occur to me is that, yeah, some, sometimes we, we wear a facade uh, for whatever reason. Um, but, yeah, I just think openness and honesty is, is, is key and it's key to how I've got where I am today. Mm. Well, speaking of openness and honesty, there's a, there's a few things going on in the chiropractic world right now which perhaps a taboo topic in many levels. How are you coping with the way chiropractic is being treated at the moment? Yeah, we can... Um, there's a few practitioners that are, are upset about it and it is, it's, un, it's unfortunate um, the way things are travelling at the moment as far as the pressure on the profession to provide evidence that's... Um, we are able to help children in particular and infants. Um, I, I use it as an opportunity to have a discussion, to use um, the time we have with each person that comes in the clinic and asks about it um, to just you know, find some common ground and, and what they've found beneficial um, through chiropractic care and especially as a... I've got a pediatric focus as a chiropractor, um, so I've worked with lots of children and, and parents will tell you some amazing things once you uh, look after their children and um, put their best foot forward. So I've used it as a, as a great launch pad to discuss the benefits of, of what we do and, and while there's not much high-level 
evidence that uh, the medical fraternity is looking for. Um, they don't have it either. So it's, it's a good discussion point because children are tough to study um, and everything's done retrospective. And um, I'll often ask people when we get into this conversation what they had for breakfast and, and nine out of ten people can't remember what they did for breakfast um, or, or they skipped it. And, um, and so if we're discussing research around uh, children to reflect on what may have happened across the last 12 months or in some cases they look across five years or 12 years, um, that information is not going to be as, as powerful because there's some bias and, there's, and, and essentially we can't recall the exact details. So um, what we do have is a lot of anecdotal evidence, which they will say, is, is not high powered um, but at the end of the day I think there is a building sort of pool of evidence um, using those lower grades which will eventually one day one day we'll have the technology to, to understand it all um, and uh, so for me right now it's just having that discussion which is it's great um, to be informed is, is key to this whole process which I'm sure you guys are passionate about and um, yeah, so I've just been talking about it, which is great. I, th I think it's important to talk about that. And I, you know, I'm from a chiropractic background. So my father was a chiropractor. My sister was a chiropractor. Um, my um, daughter is a chiropractor. My husband's a chiropractor. All I've known is chiropractic for my whole life and my children's life. And I remember well, one day my son, when he was, he was probably only six months old and he just, would not settle. Finally, I woke my husband up and I said, can you just check him? And no sooner had my husband adjusted him and that little boy fell back to sleep. So, I, like, I have lots of anecdotal. I, I have to tell you one that you're really going to love. So we travelled around Australia for two years <laughs> and we met another family travelling around Australia and there were five of them in the family and the youngest was six months and they were all in a Jayco pop-out. So yeah. they're in very close quarters and the, the child, the six-month-old, just didn't sleep and so therefore nobody slept. So he's a vet um, and my husband says to him, would you like me to look at you know, your baby and, and just see if there's anything that I can help with? So Howard does his usual um, amazing adjustment on this gorgeous little six-month-old that we called the Puggle um, because it was always in a pouch. Um, <laughs> so we called it the Puggle and he's still called the Puggle today and he's now 20. <laughs> um, but, you know, we Howard just adjusted him and then they all went to bed and the next morning the father storms over to our camp and said, I have had the worst night of my life. And my husband said, what happened? And he said, he slept all night and I thought you killed him. <laughs> 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 no, you know, this was, this was incredible. They, they all had their first night's sleep, you know, and I could tell you one right after the other because I've been involved in this profession for so long and I have seen miracles with children. And that was one, you know, and the, and the father, by the way, and the mother and the five kids, and now they've got a sixth kid, um, all became chiropractic devotees. They yeah. all came to how they moved near us. So they were from Ballarat and they moved to the Sunshine Coast and they were, were with us and they still see Howard. Um, not as much because they live, uh, you know, about an hour away. But I just 
I find this conversation is important to have and I think this anecdotal um, information is also really important to have because, like you said, they're looking for evidence-based but their own evidence-based is not... Um, it's not there either. It's not there. Like, you know, oh, well, we'll give you this medication but if that doesn't work, we'll give you this one and when that one doesn't work, we'll give you this one. And, and I look at um, colic, you know, like now there has been study of colic uh, in the you know, in children and chiropractic. And, you know, what one type of medicine has, allopathic, has let's give you this drug and let's keep you on that drug and let's give your your hydrogen chloride less acid, you know, no, your acid's down, therefore you can't digest your food, therefore you, you're going to have digestive system problems. Or let's do a, a move, like a, a very slight HH move and... And that child's better. Like, yeah. why would you go for a lifetime of drugs and change to the microbiome when you, you have that? Sorry, I went on a bit of a rant, Adam, but I do. Oh, that's good. I get really, really passionate about this because, you know, I'm, I'm 59 nearly and I've never had a medication because my dad believed in the power of the body. Yep. As long as you take the interference away and you give it the right resources. So I brought my children up exactly the same way. They too are in their late 20s and no medications. So there's four people. Um, and I know it's anecdotal, but there is more out there. Like the, the, the families that are out there that have been in their, they're in their third generation of chiropractors can all say the same things. And I think it's about time that we speak up and we start to talk about how amazing this profession is. And, um, and that was one of the big parts of the, so it's the Safer Care Victoria that we're talking about. Um, there's one health minister that got a knickers and a twist about a certain video that was released and I'm sure she was um, given a gentle shove by a certain group. And um, Friends of Science, we can yeah, name them. Yeah. yeah, I don't have any problem in naming those Friends of Science. I'm not sure how scientific they are, but let's let's just name them. They've got their uh, yeah, they've got their own um, agenda, and um, yeah. So this health minister had to put her money where her mouth is, and, and we've come up with the Safer Care Victoria. It has it's a call to attention for the profession again. So it's been good from that point of view. It's it is stressful for a lot of us. Um, pediatric based chiros. I mean, I still see a, a huge adult population. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm lucky, but some of my colleagues are purely sort of pediatric. So that would change their, their whole practice um, and probably their career. Um, but at the end of the day, um, I'm part of the Australian College of Chiropractic Pediatrics um, board as well. And I know that uh, we've engaged the services of a third party to do some of the research for us that compares um, some of the outcomes uh, with medical uh, sort of protocols, um, including colic, um, Rynec, and plagiocephaly, which is mis misshapen head. Um, so it has forced us to to go looking for that that research, which is a good thing, um, and hopefully. Um, Hopefully, the Safer Care Victoria will find that there is no issues with looking after kids from day dot, from from zero to twelve. Yeah, you know it's interesting. Sixty Minutes um, recently had a chiropractor and an orthopedic surgeon um, on, and I don't know if you saw it. 
Um, I couldn't watch it, I'm sorry, but I did hear comment about it and I hear Dr Simon Floriani handed himself with dignity and grace and absolute calm. But I heard that the orthopaedic surgeon rolled his eyes, was very rude and, um, and, and basically showed a chauvinistic attitude about a profession that hasn't even, the, the surgery isn't being proven. Like I've just, I wish I had the piece of paper in front of me, but I've been reading um, a book um, by um, a osteopath who shows the stats and shows the research on surgery versus um, adjustments. And I, I just, I don't get why they have to be so adamant that their way is the only way. There will be times when surgery is needed. But oh, absolutely, yeah. Yep. Not, not the way he was, he was really, like I, I just, I saw glimpses of it and I couldn't watch it. I just thought, how can someone... Um, be so rude as to not even allow a chiropractor to show in his own office with grace and dignity um, how we adjust babies, how we adjust children, how we care in a paediatric manner. You know, I just, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I can understand your frustration. Um, We've come to terms with the the idea that a lot of media is positioned for a certain reason. All media is and um, this, this will be a little inflammatory, but even evidence-based is a media as well. You know, every paper that is published has an agenda. Um, and, and sometimes if it doesn't serve the agenda, that, pa- that paper never gets published. And so um, we just have to understand the motivations behind those programs. And, you know, it wasn't a chiropractic-endorsed uh, program, that's for sure, so... Oh, not at all. <laughs> I think that that's really frustrating because last October I made the decision never to watch television again because of advertising, yeah, because of the news and because of um, all that. But it's interesting, you know, I'm still on social media and those news things come through all the time uh, as well as I like doing um, the uh, crossword on the Australian and every now and then as I open up the Australian I see the front page so it's hard not to see the pharmaceutical um, endorsed papers and media um, and, and not see what's happening out there. So we're the educated, and I don't mean that in a very, in, in any other way, but I have been educated this way. This is the only way that I know. Yeah. Um, and I have emergency care doctors around me every single morning of my life when I swim. There's, there's a whole bunch of them. So I understand you know, their position in this as well. But I find, um, you know, it really hard for the people who don't know, yep. who have not been exposed to this way of living, this way of life, this vitalistic principles as opposed to mechanistic principles. And both are needed. Both mechanism and vitalism are important. They're both opposing, but they're important. So I, I really struggle for the people who, yeah, who who haven't been exposed to this and their kids are on drugs or they don't realise food is an important part of this. Where I'd, I'd like to go, Adam, is the science that you have that shows genetic expression changes with movement. Can we go there? Unless you have something more that you want to say about this 
um, thing that's happening in Victoria with regards to chiropractors not being able to adjust. Um, I think the the final note on that should, probably should be highlighting that um, it's that that taking away of choice that frustrates us. Yeah. Um, and the the naturopaths have have gone through it, and they're still going through it. Um, integrative medicine, they're facing it as well. And um, what, what it boils down to is that loss of choice. And if we don't get to choose um, for our own health, then um, that, that'll be a sad day should that eventuate. So I think that's, I think that's a, the take-home point out of that is we, we all want to be able to choose the way we take care of ourselves and our families more importantly. We do. We want that choice. And if that choice isn't there, they'll be black market. And I think they're silly doing it. You know, there should be registration as there is with chiropractors and that registration has, has meant that, you know, the, there was the grandfather clause. I remember those days. You know, my dad's 91 and I remember those those days when the grandfathers were brought in because of registration of chiropractors. They called it the grandfather clause and they had not had proper um, education um, with regards to chiropractic and then registration comes in and now, you know, paediatrics, I've, I've watched Genevieve Keating and Rosemary Keating uh, yeah. create a phenomenal um, study program and practical program that helps with this and I, I just think that what they're going to do is they're going to drive it underground and that's the stupidest thing of all. Well, hopefully um, the evidence prevails and um, there's no reason reason to take the choice away from people. So, yeah. Darlings, just before we move forward into the genetic expression with, with movement, we, there is a beautiful choice here. We have our gorgeous Karen Smiths finally with us. Her technical issues have now uh, become here. So welcome, beautiful Kaz. But Karen, you're not going to believe this. Adam also, and it could be controversial, just before we go to genetic expression, <laughs> um, also works with animals. Where's Karen? Is she there? Well, she is. But she obviously we can see her there. Yeah. But tell us, just while she's coming through, clearly the technical things, um, oh, we can't hear her. She is there. She's, she's, we've lost her voice. But I'm going to ask the question for you while we work it out, sweet pea. Is that beautiful Adam also works closely with animals? And just without going too controversial or anything, Adam, just, just give us a brief background how you personally can help our animal friends as well. Well, um, yeah, we'll have to frame this um, <laughs> carefully. Um, when I when I was in Canada, I, I stayed with two chiropractors there, um, one in British Columbia and one that I worked with at the Calgary Centre of Health in Alberta. And um, Eric Oderstrom, I think was his name, or Oystrom, um, he had property just south of um, Vancouver itself, and he adjusted horses. And so for the few weeks that we stayed there, he, he took me um, out the back and, and showed me in, in the barn how to, how to adjust horses. And so we did that for a few weeks, and, and that was the start of my, um, I guess, uh, unofficial exposure to animal chiropractic but we saw some amazing stuff and then when i moved to alberta uh blaine bug uh he's a, a chiropractor and he worked a lot with rodeo um both the human and the animal side of it and um yeah so he showed me a lot he had there were dogs coming to the clinic there and uh that was pretty amazing to to 
be involved with that. And um, he would spend a day going out. I think it was a, every Friday he would drive around the country and, and um, yeah, adjust horses, which was which was amazing. Um, and there's a couple in Australia. Uh, there's a couple practitioners in Australia. You have to be endorsed by a vet, as I understand it, with some sort of official training. And um, but yeah, no. Animals just as important as, as humans to make sure their nervous system is working as best as possible and, and then they can express their, 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 their full potential. Do you know, Adam, um, I had horses and we used to have the horse chiropractor come around. So um, it, was, it was incredible because one of our horses would kick out all the time and get the chiropractor around and I loved it, the mallet and the, the tennis ball, um, like an activator. And yeah. Yeah, and she, and she wouldn't kick out, and they knew when she was kicking out that she was uncomfortable in her back, and so it it worked. It worked an absolute treat. Plus, our dogs uh, yeah. have all been adjusted by my husband. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, and and my dad used to adjust greyhounds, and yep. all the greyhound owners used to say they perform better after they were yeah. adjusted. Yeah. Like we all have falls, and we all have um, dresses. Yeah, and and they say subluxation, and I know that that's a a term that's being questioned at the moment. But let's just call them that for now. Absolutely, yeah. Interfere with the nervous system, and if the nervous system is being not you know being interfered with, then it, it creates a problem. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, and um, it, it's amazing. Um, just your intent alone. Yeah. I have no horse handling skills whatsoever, but when the horses knew I was there. I could do whatever I wanted and, you know, grab the steps and stand next to them and, um, you know, imagine a, a horse pelvis. Well, you've got to pretty much stand behind them and, um, you know, you're in the kicking range for sure, but they'll let you. They'll let you work on that even if it's sore, um, which is pretty amazing. Dogs are the same, you know, um, and they'll usually give a little yelp when I do an adjustment or two and but they, they trust you. And this is the same behaviour, as, as crude as it sounds, is the same behaviour I'll see with kids um, and infants in particular. They have the same instincts. Um, I'll have people that will tell me that their kid was, was screaming for the 45 minutes while they drove into the practice and as soon as they hand them to me, they stop screaming and they're like, oh, my gosh, can you, can you come home with us and just carry the child around all the time? And part of that is that instinct, that trust, that, that um, feeling of safety. Um, that they just they understand, and um, it's a it's a pretty cool it's a it's more than cool it's amazing to be involved at that level both with pediatrics and, and um, I think what and you've animals. said there too. And I've got a couple of friends that are vets, and there's almost more um, without being you know pre- prejudiced. There's almost more intelligence having to work with animals and children because they can't communicate the way we adults have and they don't also have the emotional perhaps the emotional baggage or the stories or the dramas or the or the indicators that would otherwise suggest there was emotional things involved as well and I think it's quite an important aspect isn't it well absolutely I had um, a case uh, just after I moved here and I actually I did the did the physical assessment and I checked everything out and I was just like your your child is is otherwise quite quite healthy so there wasn't much I, I could do but let's let's check her out again in, in a couple of days and, and see if there's something else I can help with then you know and um anyway they cancelled and and then they cancelled and and then they can't 
sort of in the fourth time um, they cancelled but uh, the mother explained that the the father had had a nervous breakdown and they were at the hospital and um, and then it all made sense to me it was like oh it was the environment the whole time for for that child it was it was that was the the subluxation was the was the environment and and the child was manifesting that behaviorally um, so yeah it makes that, such sense doesn't it and I think as a mum having taken my children to chiropractic chiropractors from the minute they were, I booked chiropractic care before they were born so that I could get in with certain chiropractors in Auckland that I wanted to see and just the the sense of comfort I've had with many different chiropractors and many other beautiful modalities and specialists but the the comfort I feel in this profession is incredibly profound it's it, it's almost like you also allow me to trust my thoughts and feelings and and I think as a mum sometimes we question that and sometimes we don't think we've got the answers or that we know but sometimes when you allow or ask us the questions the way you guys do actually brings our intelligence to the foreground and as a mum that just just makes you feel so powerful I think it'd be the same to say for animal owners and and when you have an animal that you truly love and you care about, you know their nuances and their behaviours yeah. and when something's not right. So to have someone with your qualification and your knowledge, it's just so comforting as a parent or the owner of a pet to know that people like you exist, I can tell you. And, um, and just to allow mothers to understand that children don't come with a manual. <laughs> no, and, and the... yeah. This, this this romantic idea when you're a child that mum and dad knew everything, you know, and, and the older I got, the more I realised they were just making this stuff up as they went. And, <laughs> um, and, and it's still the case more now than ever. Uh, we've got an, uh, an oversaturation of information, which is probably even more confusing than not having the information there. But um, yeah, to, to allow people to... And just to, to acknowledge it is that it's, it's hard and there is no manual and, um, the best way forward is to have a team of people around you that you trust and uh, and lean on them when you need it. I agree with you, Adam. I think there is an overload of information. I was talking to a friend of mine whose daughter's just had a baby and, you know, she's been reading about, you know, sleeping and things like that. And she says, remember what it was like when we had our babies? You know, this is 30 years ago. When we had our babies, that information wasn't out there because we didn't have the social media. There might have been a book that you could have read. But who taught me to mother was my mother. And yeah. my mother was taught by her mother. And her mother was taught by her mother. And so the darkness in the middle of the day was not important because, you know, the circadian rhythms were aware of what was happening with that baby. You know, so I always take it back to what was the um, historical perspective of how we did this? What was... You know, like I take it even back to the hunter-gatherer. Yeah. Could they have darkened the room um, for the baby to sleep? Or did the baby sleep with them? Or, you know, as the woman gathered, were they on the back? And I, and I just, and did they co-sleep or not co-sleep? So I take it back to the roots because I just think if we can tap into our ancestral and, and our intuition, our ancestral knowledge and our intuition, which we know is there because they know that yeah. it, it is there then I think we're going to be far better off. But we've lost that because we are so used to reading all this information and then everything's online. And then as we were talking about before, we have this 
um, slant in our media that slants is not to have healthy children. Yeah. Because a healthy child is of no worth to the drug companies. They're, they're of no worth. Like I, I look at myself, I am worthless to them. Yeah. And what there was everybody else was running around that is, you know, at least like me or near me, which then we're worthless. We would make them no money whatsoever. So that's my, that's the way I always look at it. When someone says something to me, I always go, okay, what's my intuition telling me and what would a hunter-gatherer or, or an agricultural woman do, you know, in that, that type of, that type of positions? Scenario, yeah. And we've been, we've been conditioned to ignore the intuition. We have. Mm. And, and the long-term cultures and traditions that um, have been there. You know, I like, I'm, um, yeah, I'm. I just want you to know, Adam, that, that our beautiful Kaz is hearing everything. And for our listeners, Karen is there. It's quite interesting, actually. We could talk about her quite a lot because she can't answer us, but she's <laughs> hearing everything. Um, but I, I would love to move to that area that Cindy was talking about with the epigenetics and functional movement because I think in today's day and age, life gets busy, exercise gets put on the back foot, no pun intended, we we don't move our bodies the way we should or perhaps sometimes we go and do um, exercise that isn't functional and, and yet it's not working for us in the everyday thing and we put our back out vacuuming, for instance. Yeah. Could you explain to us um, just what your take on how we've progressed um, as a functioning society, if that's the right word? Are we moving as well as we could or should what do you see are the concerns with seating and, and obviously not using our bodies? And can you lead us into how powerful that is from an epigenetic point of view? Yeah, so, well, one, I'll, I'll, I'll frame this by saying I'm not a geneticist of any sort, but um, that a lot of genetics are, uh, are based on survival of the fittest. So any weak genes or that didn't serve us for survival were theoretically bred out of the system. So, um, that, I mean, that's a pretty broad statement. It's a pretty brave statement to make as well. But if we are, because you can look at a lot of the genetic stuff and, and for, for exercise um, and for any genetics, to be honest, is, is a response to stress. And, and stress is not always harmful. Um, stress, um, we call it hormetic stress or eustress, which is healthy levels of stress, which, is, which includes exercise. And, um, and then there's um, harmful stress, and that's when stress becomes overwhelming and can cause um, injury uh, from a physical, chemical, and emotional point of view. But when we talk about the lack of movement these days, um, yeah, it's definitely it's, it's, it's a concern and... And there's, there seems to be no middle ground now. Um, and being a fitness professional for the last almost 15 years now, the trend is pushing people to move maybe even too much. And um, the, the current trend is high-intensity interval training and everyone's um, pushing 10 sessions, 12 sessions a week. And, um, and it's just... It's, it's not through lack of effort, but through training smarter is probably the, the next step the fitness industry has to go. Um, and, and even from a performance point of view, 
if you do two high-intensity training sessions within 24 hours of each other, your performance decreases. And there's a, I can't remember the name of the study, but that was, that's a pretty big one. And, and some people are doing two hit sessions a day. And so they wonder why they, they, they aren't getting results they want. They, they wonder why they can't lose weight. And um, so everyone's looking to, the, to find the, the magic bullet. And, and right now the magic bullet is, it has been promised with, with genetic testing. When they're doing a lot of genetic testing for fitness um, genes, um, and I guess this, the, I might cut to the chase here and just say, yeah, the, understanding the genes is super important and it can have a, have a very large effect at the end of the day, but we still have to have the basics under control. So make sure we're eating well, make sure we are moving well and maybe not moving too much. Um, uh, you know, making love and, and, um, and, and experiencing all facets of life and, and finding lots of different levels of you stress and not just too much of one stress. So get those basics right and then, and then if you're still struggling with weight loss and all that sort of thing, then maybe there is some genetic polymorphism. So what that means is um, there's different ways to code for certain proteins in the body and that's what we talk about with uh, genetic polymorphisms just different variants of um, certain proteins or enzymes and um, and for those who really are doing the the right thing and, and those who have got all the basics right then then the genetic component might be a big factor well and it is it is at the end of the day it is a big factor but make sure you get the basics right first so that being said there are genes that make it harder for people to lose weight there are genes that make it easier for people to to have more adrenaline pumping around and and lead to um anxiety and all that sort of stuff there are genes related for all everything you can think of you know the um the folate gene the mthfr gene or the the um the, the, i heard a study came out today about mapping all the genetics uh for the eye so they can sort of prepare for what that person might eventually um, have to deal with, be it, you know, glaucoma or cataracts or, or whatever, so they can almost predict it. But that's dangerous too. That's dangerous too. Just because you have the genes um, doesn't mean you'll ever manifest the, the disease, you know. Um, it's it's a big topic. It's a, when, and the more I looked at it, the, the more convoluted it gets. But a lot of those genetic polymorphisms were there to, to serve us as well. They were survival. So um, while they might not serve us now, um, there was a time when maintaining weight and keeping weight on was beneficial when we were through extended famine. And so we were the ones that survived if we had that gene and then that gene was passed on. But now we see it as a, as a problem. Um, because we can't lose the weight. So it, there's two sides to every story and, and that's that's a lot of where the genetic stuff is going. Um, for, th there was a reason why it developed that way and um, and that's just the human genome. And, and this is where it gets exciting too is because the microbiome gives us that diversity in our own DNA as well, and then and then a, a, a mitochondria they have their own DNA. So there's just 
so many, so many levels. And, and I'm a deep thinker. So for me, it's, it's like, it's amazing when, um, I know Cindy was talking about it. I, I listened to that podcast with Lawrence and, um, but one of the big things that Cindy pointed out was, um, we're studying everything in isolation. So we're studying one gene at a time. And, and when that's the case, we can't see the bigger picture. And there's just so many interactions, so many different interactions that, that convolute the whole story. But let's, yes, I'll, I'll go back to so movement and, and exercise. Yes. Yes, it will manifest um, different results. But at the end of the day, get the basics right and then maybe consider where your genetic testing should go. Um, I think, yeah, I think I've got a little far off track there, but um, I think the big take-homes there are just eat well, move well, um, make love and, and just celebrate what it means to, to keep it simple. So, okay, that was helpful. Yeah, definitely, especially the part about making love. I'm sure there's a lot of people who have prepped up. I'm sure now for some people they'd be going, oh, but I don't have a partner. So <laughs> are you talking about the release of oxytocin and nitric oxide or are you just talking, you know, the, the importance of, of relationships as well? Yeah, the importance of relationships, to feel safe and supported. Um, yeah, it just... Because we can talk about genetics, um, how that influences the hormones, all that sort of thing as well. But yeah, um, oxytocin is is great. It's it's a feel good hormone. It lowers cortisol. Um, you know, and there's just oh, I could take this on ten different paths right now. But uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I feel safe and supported. And and safety is one of my values um, as a person. And, um, I think you will have noticed that in, even in my fitness classes, like safety is a big, a big part of why I do what I do as a chiropractor and a fitness professional. Um, you don't, no one goes to a fitness class or, a, or, a, or the chiropractor to get injured. Um, so safety is, is a big part for me. Um, and that, and that'll be, that'll manifest in our genes as well, you know? So from a perspective, we had the gorgeous Dr. Steve Myers on our show many moons ago. We should get him back, Cindy. But he spoke, he was the first one that I heard talk about um, not only genetic predisposition but also igniting or switching on genes. And, and some of that was saying that, and forgive me if I'm wrong, but my, my, remembering, my memory on this was that the high-intensity exercise interval training, sometimes that had a much better effect or it did seem to turn on genes that served us um, way better than doing long-term exercise or like you just mentioned before, too much exercise. Could you explain to us a little bit about what it means to turn genes on or to express them or turn them off even and how by turning them on through something like high-intensity interval training can benefit us? Yeah, so again, it comes back to that response to stress or response to stimulus. Um, yeah, high-intensity interval training has definitely been found to be beneficial in that arena for sure um, when used the right way. Of course, I highlighted the idea that people doing 10 sessions a week might not be so helpful, but again, what we're doing is, is pushing the performance of the physiology and then the physiology it's, it's incredible. We come back to the innate intelligence. The, the body has a way of responding to the stress. 
as long as the stress is not overwhelming. And then when that happens, um, it drives certain pathways. So we start, um, the stress creates a response from multiple different pathways in the cell. Um, and we start transcribing for the proteins or the enzymes we need. And, and this can happen very, very quickly. Um, and and we, when we were talking fractions of a second for, for responses to occur, you know. Um, and a lot of that comes down to um, with high-intensity interval training is creating um, an oxygen uh, deprivation. So certain levels of, uh, of oxygen will stimulate certain changes. Um, when we go into um, hypoglycemia, so we're starting to use up all our fuels, our sugars, and so the body, um, you know, like we've got these sensors everywhere, these little um, like antennas on the cells that say, all right, so glucose is getting low. Um, let's send a, a, a message to the um, – essentially to the DNA. Um, that's the easiest way of saying it to start preparing enzymes that will be better at consuming um, fats instead, as an example. Um, so, yes, those those small changes in physiology um, at the from the blood level to the uh, um, the gut level, because even lactic acid will, will stimulate certain um, receptors to start manufacturing. Um, different channels which will start bringing in um, different uh, electrolytes to buffer the acids it's, it's such a it's such a clever clever situation so uh, hopefully that answered the question um, that high intensity of training just is the healthy stress in a shorter period of time and it gets us to where we're going quite quickly now stress when it's excessive pushes those systems too far so they can't respond and we start depleting um, more so the nutrition of the cell, in my opinion, um, where the cell doesn't have the available infrastructure to build the next level of, of enzymes. So, and, and yeah, we, I mean, we could talk about nutrition to the cows come home as well, but when we've overstressed the area, be it through um, too much exercise or the wrong, wrong type of exercise, uh, then we start to see those cracks in the system appear. Um, is that a genetic flaw? Uh, there can be. There can be. I'm not saying it's the only thing, though. But if we don't have the right um, building blocks in the system, then we start to, to see the physiology crack. And that, I mean, and that repeated daily for months, weeks, years um, will manifest as disease, you know. Do you think as we age and as we get older that it's good to try different forms of exercise or that the body even leans towards you wanting to exercise more? I mean, I've noticed my husband was a, a professional athlete through his teens and 20s and even into his early 30s. He's now in his mid-50s. He's lost, obviously, some of that um, muscle bulk and obviously he's older. I know myself, I don't have the tone that I used to have. And even from my point of view of doing a lot of high-intensity training and long-distance running and, and all the things that I did, I don't have the, motiv the same motivation to go and run marathons today in my 50s as I had in my 30s and 40s. Is that genetic? 
aesthetic or is that my body protecting itself or is this my way of perhaps trying to tell myself at a subconscious level to try something else what do you how do you see the aging process and our and our ability to exercise because my biggest fear is that people think oh I'm too old I can't do that anymore and that's probably the point I'm trying to get across from your perspective is that we're never too old to exercise yeah because theoretically yeah um your genetic information will be the same, you know, now as it was 20 years ago. I would, there's a, I mean, there's a, there's a few, few areas. I think as we get older, we get, um, we take less rest. You know, um, I was talking about it with a client just earlier today and, um, they went to a 50th and they're just like, Oh, we just don't bounce back anymore. And, um, I was like, yeah, but how much do you rest now? You know, 20, when you were 21 years old and you're out, you would sleep all day, watch movies all day. But when you've got a household to run, um, you know, you can, you can have a few drinks the night before, but you still have to get up and do the jobs. And so you do. So um, there's, there's a big resting component that we overlook. And I think that puts uh, a potentially harmful stress on the body. And then when we get that harmful stress, um, we can get injury to the, to the DNA, but there's, there's processes in place. Um, P53 is, is the guardian of the genome and it identifies if DNA has been tampered with too much through stress and it creates, um, cell death, apoptosis. Um, and so there is a cleanup system and, um, that'll come, become more and more frequent the less we, we allow the body time to heal. And then as we get older, I, I do think we get busier as we get older. Um, this year, for example, has just flown past because we're all jumping from one project to the next. And um, I, I definitely think that's part of the aging process. Of course, that excessive stress will lead to sort of your uh, reactive oxygen species. So that's your um, oxygen, right? So, and that, that leads to, you know, so, sort of injury to the DNA. Um, and then when nutrition starts to fail or you haven't got all the building blocks, um, we start producing. But there's, there's a relationship between sort of the levels of homocysteine um, in the body and age-related diseases, um, which can, you know, the homocysteine levels can be quite quickly reversed uh, um, when we've got the right nutrition and the right rest. So, Well, and also perhaps our desire to run a marathon or to be an international athlete or to do things that um, we may have really wanted as a, in our youth, perhaps as we get older too, the desire isn't there. But I hadn't taken into account the importance of what you just mentioned there around rest. And you're dead right. As we get older, there's more responsibilities, there's more things to distract us, there's more, um, uh, more things that take up our time or need our time. What would be your recommendation to our listeners as the the ultimate or perhaps even just a great place or a great way to look at exercise so that we stay healthy? Is there a one-stop-fix-all kind of thing or what would be your recommendation as a generic thing for all of us on a weekly basis? What would you suggest? Adam, before uh, yeah. you answer that, yeah. I just have one comment to make about Kimmy. And he said, not everybody wants to run a marathon. Well, <laughs> even in my youth, I never wanted to run a marathon. So 
It's horses for courses, Miss Kimmy. So Kim used to run, she was the world champion 24-hour racer. (laughs) (laughs) And you don't want to do that anymore. (laughs) I kind of, kind of a sort of sort of finish that desire to do that. Thanks, Adam. And, <laughs> and I think that, and that's perfectly healthy too, because you feel like you've done that. You know, you, you've you've yeah. reached that point. That's you've got but nothing I, left to prove to yourself. And um, but I didn't have that desire at her age that she did that, Adam. You know, I'm just oh. saying. <laughs> Maybe your genetics said uh, no running for you, Cindy. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and that's something too, isn't it? What we're good at is often mm. perhaps what our genetics are saying is good for us. Um, yeah. Thank you, Sam. Yeah, you rode for, horses and hiked. And yeah, I hiked for two months, and when you were running for 24 hours, I was hiking for two months. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. horses. And, and just because, and I can't remember, I've, I've just got this vague memory. I think it was called Interstellar. Yeah. It was a movie where, and I don't even think I've really watched the thing, but. I got the gist of it. This guy wanted to go to space, but his physiology didn't meet the requirements. And, you know, so it's kind of set in the future where they kind of do all the genetic testing, I guess. And, um, and he had to fake all the, all the results to get through this space course. Mm. And um, just because he wasn't the ideal candidate at the end of the day, didn't mean he shouldn't go to space. Mm. And just because someone has the, you know, maybe maybe they don't have the genetics for running, but that doesn't mean they shouldn't run, um, because generic stuff says you know if we're moving well, um, if we're eating well, if we're hydrated, if we're rested, um, we're in a good headspace, then then that that's going to build such a beautiful life and, and health. So yeah, as far as the as the generic stuff goes i'll give a shout out to a a guy who actually lives up on the in noosa and for years i've been looking for um, a self-assessment that you can do before you go to exercise you know to sort of go right am i am i physically fit and emotionally able to do high intensity training or maybe i'm not or maybe today I'm not in such a great mood and, you know, my, my eating has been horrible. Maybe today's a therapy day. Or maybe you're just sort of in the middle there and um, you're sort of, yeah, your moderate intensity exercise would serve you better. And I've been looking for it for years and, and, and I was looking online for peer-reviewed stuff. But there was one day I, I saw it and it was just this little green square that I noticed on an image search. Um, and it was by a guy called Ian O'Dwyer and um, he runs OD on movement up at Noosa and it's called the Environmental Effects Self-Assessment. Now, I don't know if I'm allowed to give it out, but you assess five areas of your day for the last 24 hours and you give yourself a score out of three. So nutrition, you know, what was the last thing you ate? Uh, When did you last eat? because the food you eat is going to fuel your exercise and fuel your repair as well. So you give that a score out of three. Um, Hydration, you know, have you drunk anything in the last 12 hours, as in alcohol, because that will affect the the soft tissues. Um, And uh, and then, you know, are you adequately hydrated? Um, Because that's vital for efficient functioning of all tissues as well. So you give yourself a score out of three for hydration. Uh, Movement, have you moved in the last 24 hours? If so, what type? Um, Was there pain? Is there soreness? Are you fatigued? 
um, because that can predispose um, your ability in the next session. Um, then you've got to score yourself in recovery as well. So at what time did you go to sleep? After sleep, what did you feel rested? And see, that's a, that's a key point too is people are pushing through it when they're not rested and so they're not getting as much out of the exercise as they possibly could. So give yourself a score out of three, you know, are you getting your eight hours? Now, I'll put my hand up and say I don't, I don't often get my eight hours and, um, and while I can survive on, on significantly less, I'm surviving, I'm not thriving. And, um, yeah, I think we need to look at that rest for sure. And then the fifth area that you want to look at before you go to exercise is are you feeling positive today? Like do you actually want to exercise? Um, because that can change your, your performance as well, a state of readiness to perform. Um, if you're just going through the movements, maybe that's not a high-intensity interval training day. So you do a, a score on those five areas out of three and you get a score between 1 and 15 and, you know, if you are a 0 to 5, you sort of think, no, I, I need some reconditioning here, I need to rest or breathe or or even go get some therapy, you know, be it physical therapy or massage therapy or even take yourself to a day spa and just have, have that restorative care. Um, and then if you're a sort of a 6 to a 9 out of 15, that's still recovery and regeneration, but that might be more sort of restorative movement, um, like the classic ones of yoga or Pilates or, um, you know, even walking. And then if you're like a 10 to 12, out of 15, then then sort of that moderate intensity exercise is going to be good to go, you know. Um, and if you're a 13 to 15, if you score yourself 13 to 15, and you have to be honest with yourself, that's when you're ready to, to, to train performance and that's, that's sort of that high-intensity stuff. So um, all those have to be considered as we go through each session, through every week, and um, I found that such a useful, useful tool where, I mean, it's a self-assessment. So if you lie to yourself and give yourself 15 out of 15 every day, it's just not going to serve you. But, um, you know, it's a really, really cool tool for people to use. Um, this year, a full-on mother who's exhausted and by the time she even thinks that, she's exhausted even thinking about the, the five things. <laughs> it's like yeah, it's I sort of sit there. Yeah. Um, I think ultimately what you're saying is listen to your body listen to yourself. Sometimes though, if I was feeling negative about exercising, I really don't feel like exercising. I have honestly never come back from a walk or a yoga class or Pilates or even one of your classes and gone, oh, I wish I'd done that. that. Yeah. So I think sometimes I call it the walk the dog attitude. Sometimes I think we could all, I feel like we under underestimate the power of movement and and the hormones and the beautiful chemicals released from movement. But I think for me, perhaps one of the biggest things is the power of going for a walk, being out in nature, um, earthing, touching the ground, maybe doing some squats or just some beautiful gentle Tai Chi or just feeling your body moving and stretching can be so profoundly helpful and powerful, particularly even for the busy person. And I know myself moving at home, um, just even sometimes doing 20 squats, but as I'm brushing my teeth, that might be all I have time for. But my thing is doing something every day, even if it's little, um, as opposed to missing it because you might go through that whole process and think, oh, I'm exhausted, I can't do it. So would your suggestion be, even on those days, and I think you've hit the nail saying sometimes you've got to be really honest, well, not sometimes, you do need to be honest with yourself, what would be your tip 
um, or your ultimate form of exercise um, on the for everybody and anybody? Is it walking? Oh yeah, well yeah, that's easy. It's easy to say yes to walking because we are nomads by design. Um, walking is what we are designed to do to navigate this this terrestrial existence we call life on planet Earth, and um, yeah, if that's the, the only thing you can do, that's such a great choice. It's such a great choice. Um, I've never regretted going for a walk with my wife and it does. It feels great and, and it gives you that composure. I mean, we all push to try and, and we think we, we come from a culture of more is better and um, sometimes it's just nice to slow it down and, and really do take in where we are, which is easy to say on the Sunshine Coast because um, we can walk amongst the trees. But, yeah, walking would be a definite go-to. And, um, and, and But I've seen people with injury as well. So from the point of view is sometimes you can only do what you can do. And if that means standing up and sitting down 10 times out of a chair, that is the best movement for you on that day. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Mm. Put it in perspective. Um, like you said, take stock. Take stock of where you're at. And, um, I mean, we're all going to feel like having a bowl of chocolate at some stage, but that might not be the best choice for us. Um, <laughs> Adam, if there was one tip to finish on or anything that you'd like to say to finish on, what would that be to our beautiful listeners? I like this one. Energy cannot be created nor destroyed, only converted. <laughs> so look, when people come and visit me, like, it, only positive things can happen because I'm putting all that loving energy into every system. So, yeah, there you go. I there love you go. It. That's a bit physicist, but uh, it, it works really well for what I do. Yeah, and it's perfect for our beautiful tribe as well. Can you please tell us how people can connect with you, contact you? How can we find you? Yeah, so um, through the interweb, it's uh, silverbackchiropractic.com. So that's probably the easiest one. Um, I am on Facebook as well as Dr. Adam F. Scamp, Silverback Chiropractic. Um, and, yeah, I, I'm working here on, on the Sunshine Coast. It's uh, Mountain Creek technically at the Brightwater Marketplace. So, yeah, we'd love people to come and have visit the the practice and, 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 and keep in touch and, and share, share stories about all your, your beautiful achievements. Oh, well, look, I can tell you we have absolutely loved having you on the show. You are an extraordinary creature. I love the fact that you came to my Essential Self Care Weekend with your beautiful wife, Savannah. It is such a treat to have people like you trailblazing it and being at the forefront. And I love the fact that you're not sitting back on your haunches while the chiropractic industry is going through some some pretty big challenges right now and I think on behalf of Cindy, Karen and I, we'd just like to acknowledge you for that and we'd love you to stand and deliver and be, be that trailblazer for all of us that believe in what you do. So thank you so much, Adam, for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me and um, I do do my body boosting every day. It's been a massive part of my ritual for the last, I don't know, was that six, seven months now? It's been amazing. Oh, look, and I have to say to you, this has been one of my most favourite podcasts because, you know, to, to be able to talk about Karen and know that she's listened the whole <laughs> way through and hasn't been able to say anything. I mean, we could say all sorts of things about our kids, um, but maybe we'll save that for next week. <laughs> but thank you, thank you, thank you. And to all our listeners, I'm sure you'll agree with us 
that um, today has been an exceptional show and the energy of our gorgeous Kaz is there no matter what. Um, thank you, Adam. If you've got any questions for Adam, then don't forget to go to the Facebook page, um, all the W's, um, facebook.com forward slash up for a chat. You can also go to the wellnesscouch.com forward slash uh, up for a chat and please place all your comments and feedback. Please give us a five-star rating if you have the time in your day. Up for a chat's been going for over seven years now and, you know, we never take your um, your ratings for us ever for granted and we love listening to you. Uh, we love your comments and feedback and certainly on behalf of the three of us, we, we love coming to you every week uh, on a Tuesday. So on that note, please become part of the ripple effect. That's changing the world. We'll talk to you next week. See you then. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.